up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Well, here we are, mamas. It is over. And when I say it, I'm talking about summer, (laughs) y'all. Even though it is a billion degrees outside and we all still have boob sweat and all we want to do is stay inside in the air conditioning with barely any clothes on, this is where we are. We have made it through the summer, which really comes down to a lot of planning, a lot of organization, a lot of Julie Cruz director action on our parts to make sure that our kids are entertained, satisfied, happy, because if life isn't anything. It is that summers are meant to be fun, but for moms, it's a lot of damn work. So we made it. We have made it past Labor Day. And what I talked about last week still stands. When it hits Labor Day, that is a moment in time for us to remember that it's time to start focusing on ourselves. The kids go back to school officially, even though, and I have my own issues with this, kids have gone back in the beginning of August, and they're sprinkling through all over the country. Officially, now that it's been Labor Day, everybody's back at school. Mamas get those precious six hours back into their bank account of their life to do all the things that they need to do in order to stable themselves, in order to reclaim their time, in order to start those projects that they just didn't have time to do anymore. So I'm going to jump right into this. This is a woman who not only is highly successful on every single front, professionally, spiritually, in love, but she's somebody whose energy is so delicious and magnetic that I met her once at this incredible event here in Los Angeles at The Wing. Thank you, Ty Beauchamp, for inviting me. It was a discussion about women's health with Halle Berry with Angela Manuel Davis, and with this beautiful woman who was moderating that I wasn't familiar with. Her name is Dr. Jessica Shepard. And though I wasn't as familiar with her work, I quickly became an absolute fan. First of all, her voice is so rich and beautiful and delicious. So I'm going to bring her to the mic. She is a woman who sees our health with a 360 filter. So it's not just Eastern medicine or Western medicine or just herbs or just the way that you eat. It's everything all together in how you approach your greatest life because your health is your wealth. She has a clinic in Austin, Texas. And when you check out her website, you really understand who she is. In large letters, it says, create your destiny by refining your health, mind, body, and soul. It's just quintessential 
Mama Stay. Dr. Jessica is an OBGYN who is highly sought after by media outlets to share her wisdom on women's health. So please welcome to the mic, the most amazing and beautiful spirit, Dr. Jessica Shepard. Oh yeah, and she's a mom of two. Even though this time is really hard, I'm obsessed with it because of all the things, all the false structures that seem to be Mm -hmm. full, all the truths that are bubbling to the top. Because if it wasn't for this sort of global reality check, Mm -hmm. we would still be going, oh no, you're fine. When it's been proven now time and time again. And we're not fine. That we're not fine. Mm -hmm. That we're not fine. And what I love is that you're taking this holistic approach to women's health from like, like a sister, girlfriend, auntie doorway from the back. Why was that important to you when you got your medical degree? Did you know this is where you were going to be? I did not. I would definitely say I did not know this is where I would be. However, I would say that wellness has always been a very strong part of my background. So for example, when I was getting my bachelor's degree, I knew I was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. But I actually ended up getting my degree in health and sports sciences. So there's a lot of like exercise physiology, anatomy physiology, and things that weren't like so hardcore science that were part of my learning. And I think it was there that I learned about how the human body works. Because if you truly think about medicine, it really focuses on a disease state. So we're high acuity. We're like, if you're dying, we got you. (laughs) What about... The journey that comes before someone might be ill or have a disease. Why can't we find a way to merge that with strengthening that journey of wellness? And that's what I think I've gotten to that point in my career. I'm like, I I would love to give people more insight to that part of it. It's a beautiful marriage of those two worlds. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. It feels like the preemptive sort of exercises that we can all partake in aren't Mm -hmm. there. If you're dying, great. If not, even though you might be a year away, we can't help you. And so wow. it's really frustrating outside of mm-hmm. us reiterating, eat vegetables, eat fruit, like eat healthy. Don't put these bad things into your body, which unfortunately, as our society is, we don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear it. Nor do we want to eat it. <laughs> Nor do, well, I'm a weirdo like that. I'm like, I'm going to juice cleanse. And I'm like, even though I have a headache for the gods right now, I'm like, let's go stay there right there with the fruit. <laughs> How do you encourage your clients? I mean, hopefully we aren't all getting care when we're three seconds away from tragedy. Mm -hmm. How do you encourage your clients to be proactive every single day of the year? I would say I encourage them to give themselves grace so that if they miss a day, just like all of us, we miss days where we're like, oh, well, today was garbage that we're like, I am still okay to get back on tomorrow. And then the other important thing of it that I've really kind of morphed into now this brain health person where I understand the capacities and limitations of the brain, but I also understand the kind of amazing perspective of what the brain can do, which sometimes we don't allow it to do. So that's where mindfulness, that's where neuroplasticity and the ability for us to change our course of our health, our lives, our career, whatever it is, really starts up here. And if we're able to really conceptualize how we can change the pathways of our brain, how we think about ourselves, you know, when people are like, 
oh, po- you know, speak positive affirmations. That's only one part of it. But there is another part of it of how we can actually change the trajectory of our lives with how we focus on our brain and the health of it and how we're able to change patterns that are not serving us in the best way. Mm-hmm. And that comes in also health and wellness. What am I going to do that is going to, whether it's a food choice, whether it's a, I'm going to focus on more exercise and however that, you know, is featured. And then I'm also going to focus on things that are contributing to my wellness journey and taking out the parts that are not. That's a mouthful, really, because it requires people to be intentional every single second. Even if they have a slip up day, it requires us to center ourselves. Why is that so hard? Doesn't it sound like it's so easy? It just sounds easy as we're talking about it. But when you're actually faced with that, well, I will say that we expect, we have like this expectation that we're just going to do things that work and it's just easy, but it actually is easier said than done. And that's where the discipline comes in. But, you know, I find that who we are, how we project ourselves, what we think of ourselves really can be fashioned in a way where we can take the time to form those patterns. We are creatures of habit. Okay. So our habits are, you know, what make us, and we have the choice to change habits that are not serving us well, but with that comes discipline and time and patience with ourselves. And that's what we don't always want to be a part of. (laughs) Well, I'm so funny. I'm learning the D word that discipline is like our own personal enemy. Mm -hmm. And I think that the media, and I know you're in media as well. I've been in media for a long time. So we understand how it works, right? Mm -hmm. So if a company has a lot of money, whether it may be good for us or not, they're going to put ads on, they're going to pump it down our our eardrums. Like that must be the way to do it. (laughs) You must be frustrated as a holistic conscious doctor with what is being pumped out there and, and the labeling of Mm -hmm. items that there's now, you know, Oh, we can trick them by using this word. And technically it still falls under natural, even though it's completely made in a lab. Oh gosh. Yeah. Again, we don't necessarily know a good foundational background on like food and nutritional sciences. And so we are very much completely led down a wrong road or a wrong path with labeling that looks good to us, that feels good to us, but really, you know, at the heart of it is not. And, you know, the food industry, just taking one part of it, the food industry in America uh, just has really done a just disservice to us as we start to see chronic diseases. That's really what is most of our illnesses in America, some, some, some form of chronic disease, whether it's heart disease, diabetes, whatever it is, fueled by obesity. And we found ways to not understand it, but also ignore it through marketing that turns us down another avenue, right? So it's, again, it's twofold, but that's what we're given. And that's what looks good. That's what's flashy. And that's what shows up in the ad on your Instagram. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Lose weight in 10 days. And we're like, yes. Hours. I know they go from like 10 days to like five days. And they're like in 24 hours, just snap your fingers. <laughs> if you pay us a thousand dollars. And people are like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. we have to understand we've been sort of primed. We've been prepped for this. Like oh, everything gosh. is quick fix and fast and easy. And it's like everything we do, McDonald's. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that name. Fast food, you know? Yes. 
We're conditioned, Jessica. We sure are. I mean, you see it so clearly. People are like, well, I want to be better. And I'm like, well, therapy will help you. But if you peel away the ugly layers, peeling away the ugly layers are not fun. It is not a joyous occasion when you're like, yeah, this part of me is, is not the best, but I'm going to like plow through it so that I can come out on the other side, you know, a better person. So it's not fun. No, but thank you for saying that because it's been sort of my message for like the last two weeks. We have literally got to stare down like head on the ugly Mm -hmm. in order to go through it because you can't go around it, can't go over, can't go under it. You got to go through it in order to really beat it. I know that your specialty, you talk a lot about fibroids, which has really affected the African-American communities so much more than other communities for whatever reason. Do you have an understanding on why? And why that we have it more? Yeah. That is the, not even the million dollar question. It's the billion dollar question. So I'll, I'll put it to you this way. We don't have the exact reason why fibroids grow, why they happen to grow bigger in African-American women, why the incidence is 80% in African-American women when all of the races are around 50%. But we do know is that it's multifactorial. But even with that being said, the reason why we can't pinpoint it is research. But when research dollars are not devoted to one, being a woman, two, being a black woman issue, then that's where you're going to find that the research is not helping or serving black women in a way that we could be more proactive or we could have things that are devoted to decreasing the growth of fibroids or decreasing the symptoms of fibroids. So we're far, far away from having those answers. So what we have to, you know, from the healthcare perspective and as a healthcare provider and physician, our stance is, okay, well now we have to help them when they already have it or when they have the symptom that requires them going to the ER for a blood transfusion. So that's the dichotomy of something that we're dealing with that's already there. Versus what if we had the ability to put the research dollars into having it being prevented or limiting how fast they can grow or how big they can grow? That's the frustrating part from being a a scientist is when you see research dollars and efforts being put more towards other diseases. And I think that sometimes people think, well, it's not going to kill you. But when you actually look at the economic issue of how fibroids impacts the economy or community or quality of life factors. It's substantial. They've put dollars to it and it's, it's quite expensive. Really? Mm -hmm. Again. So there's women that have small ones, they have multiples, they have large ones. Some prevent you from having children. Some you can still have kids with Mm -hmm. what, okay. So you say 80% of black women get fibroids. Right. And then there's about 30% of that 80% that have the symptoms, like the ones who are like, oh my gosh, I just hemorrhage all day. Or those who are like, they're so big. I can like, people ask me if I'm pregnant. Right. So you have these symptoms is what we call it. So most are asymptomatic, meaning they have them, but some people don't know. And then you have the symptomatic ones. And those are the ones that we're talking about. Okay. And you're doing all this. You have clients, you have patients, you have blogs, you are on news programs, you're moving a billion miles an hour and you have children. I don't understand. I, know. I have three. I have look on my face right now. I'm like shook. You have, three. I have two little boys. And then I have my big boy known as my husband. That, that checks. Yeah. 
I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he is part of the team of why I'm able to do what I do. Big part of that team for sure. Yeah. And is he a professional as well? Yeah. He's an architect engineer and, um, he, (laughs) he works in, in the facet of in his company, he actually takes care of all the diversity, equity, and inclusion portion of his company. So yeah. Nice. Okay. So are there hard and fast rules in your family where your husband's like, okay, I haven't seen you all week. (laughs) Do you have days you're not allowed to work? Do you have rules in your family and share them for people who need them? Yeah, I think that one is just being appreciative and cognizant of the other people in the household. Say, if I have a news hit and I have to do it, making sure that if I'm going to use the kitchen as my you know, studio or just being like, does anyone else have plans for this area? So I think it's just the, the ability to be like, okay, there are other people who live in this house to ask if I'm going to be traveling. Do you have travel? as well. Right. Let's consider that. Cause I think I will, I will honestly say in the beginning, as things were starting to pick up, I was kind of like steam engine. I was like, okay, uh, I got to go here, here, and here. And that's what's going on. Period. I, right. I'm sure and you then, love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think there was like a good year, year and a half where I don't think I did the best job at that. And I, and I like being very transparent with that, especially when it has to do with relationships, because I think As women, as we do start to advance in our careers, I find that, you know, when I talk to even my friends or colleagues, that's where things may start to clash a little bit of, okay, well, who's doing more things or are we being competitive? Whose is more important, right? And so those are the questions that come up. And then if you're not very honest with yourself, sometimes you can do more damage. Ooh, that's good. So when you guys were falling in love and dating, Uh all those things... (laughs) Did you in some way plan for your futures being busy and having two professionals in one home? Did you have those discussions? We did not because we did not see this coming or manifesting itself in the way that it did. I think we did note when we used to live in Chicago that I was starting to get more invitations to events, doing much more media and then travel. Right. So then it started to pick up and travel and we did, you know, sit down and have a conversation. He was actually the one who was like, okay, both of us are at the point where we're advancing in our careers in different ways. However, we have to be cognizant of the fact that one of us might have to step back a little while the other is going forward or and vice versa, because we can't be full throttle like both of us together. That's tricky, though, right? Because tricky. Traditionally, it falls on the mother, the Mm -hmm. wife to pull back. Is that how it went in your family or did you make some sort of compromise? I think, you know, when I look at it and it's funny, that's why these conversations are so important because you're like putting the question out there. When I think about it, just literally from how you asked the question, I think that there was a time frame that he was just like, I'm going to let you roll, just roll, plow through. And I can honestly say now, as we were discussing all the things that I'm doing now are able to be done because I had that momentum. And I had that ability to like, okay, build on this, build on this, which allows me now to have the opportunities that I, that I have. So I would, I would give him some props for that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it does. It requires a team and the kids mm-hmm. still have to be watched at some point. Oh, do they? Apparently oh, yeah. they need dinner. <laughs> they need to be taken to soccer. Yeah, All those things. True. Yeah. Those things too. And I think that's where the team comes in. I think, you know, we do have a nanny. 
that's very helpful. And then, you know, grandparents who were able at the like last minute things or if it required a weekend travel that were able to come in and, you know, pitch in. So I think, again, the team makes the dream. Wait, you yeah. started your career in Chicago. Now you mm-hmm. live in Texas, right? Where yeah. are you from Texas? My husband's Texan. Great. Those are mm-hmm. the grandparents. Got it. Yes. That's how we got back here. It's because he's <laughs> Texan. <laughs> I mean, there's been some very stressful things going on in Texas this week. Let me tell you, I've been on a, a, a rage this week. Uh, this week has been really hard for me in, in an emotional way where it's, I'm not the emotional type of person who will like just sit and cry about everything. I get angry because I'm like, I need to do something. Where can I share my voice in order to help the people who may not have a voice? That's usually where, where I kind of get emotional about it. Cause I get so angry, which I, this week I've been angry. Well, you just gave me goosebumps the way you said that. How do you put yourself into the conversation from the wellness angle? Where do you start with that? So this week I've been focusing on as a public health issue. I think gun laws have become, gun violence in general has become a public health issue because it is the number one killer of children. I don't know how well to, to cut, slice and dice that. And it's like the number one, more yeah. than cancer, more than yes. leukemia, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. With those type, type of statistics, you know, numbers don't lie. And so for me, I feel as a healthcare provider that public health is a health issue. And then the other part that I feel as a physician is important is our emotional health. We have to take into account that these types of trauma that people process them differently, whether they hold them on and it manifests later or even now. And, you know, I just got news that just came in right before we started that one of those teachers that passed in, you know, that mass shooting, um, her husband passed today from just devastation. Yeah. So when you hear things like that, that's the trickle effect, right? It's never just one incident. This is something that impacts communities, families, and then the other children who did make it, think about their trauma. Yeah. They've got to go to the same building mm-hmm. for school mm-hmm. where yeah. their friends parent. I mean, it's the fact that the lawmakers and the government, and I don't even want to get into that. Mm-hmm. They never consider, they care so much about children, but they never consider the wellness of children. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating how the, it doesn't make sense, even though they try to make it make sense. Yeah. So I would say that's how I see myself as a thought leader in this particular instance is how can we help people with their emotional health? And then also from a public health issue, how can we make sure that that's seen and heard as something that's impacting people's health? Okay. Now take it a little closer to home. Mm -hmm. How did you discuss this with your boys? So my younger one, I did not. You have to know your emotional state of your kids, like where they are from a maturity level, six and eight. Okay. My six-year-old, just knowing him and also he's not even aware of what happened. It's a fine line of, do we discuss this? Do we not? Specifically for kids, when you think of their innocence, um, it's different for different kids. My eight-year-old, he heard a news report, like he heard it being discussed on news. And and then he turned his head and said, what happened? And I was like, great. So now he's asked the question. It's my responsibility to answer that. And so I answered it and let him know. And then I showed him the kids because I wanted him to understand they're similar to your age. And he just thought about it. And he was like, 
that's very sad. Like that's what his, he goes, that's very sad. And I go, yeah. And I go, and just like if you went to school and mommy didn't get to see you after how sad I would be. And I go, so it's a lot of people that are sad today. And he just, he sat with it. Yeah. He just sat with it. He was very quiet and he nodded his head, but you know, those are conversations now that have to be followed up. I can't just kind of leave them, just drop it there and just be like, yeah, so that happened. All right. See you later. Yeah, that, that's the part that we just move on to the next event, which is right. people are carrying this every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Little, little kids who are supposed to feel safe in school are yeah. carrying this every day. And boys are different than girls. I didn't discuss it at all with my daughter because she has 7,342 questions after follow. <laughs> you know, that's the follow-up is 7,445 right. right. questions. It's not marination. Right. So it's, so see, like knowing your kids, my, my younger is like your daughter. I would have been like, oh, here we go. We still answering questions. Here we are. And mama's mama don't have time. TikTok. <laughs> she has, she has a photo shoot. She has, a, you know, a patient to see. My she's still asking questions. Still asking questions. Yeah. yeah. If you had to, I mean, I'm going to have you describe how you mother, how would you, how would you describe it? Yeah, that's a great question. I was explaining that to someone the other day because I'm my parents, I'm first generation Canadian. My parents are Jamaican. So I grew up in a very immigrant home. So it was very strict. Like you don't talk to your parents. You don't even look at them funny. Okay. Don't, don't do that. So that's how I grew up. So I see myself in my parents where I'm very strict and my husband is much more, he's more laid back than me. So it's this like shift where my parents probably think I'm very like, you let your kids do anything. Cause they, they were like, that's not what we did. We were much more strict, but I think my husband sees the strictness of, of our family and how we were brought up in relation to how his was brought up. But we, we do talk about it not often, but enough that it's an open conversation on parenting it's flexible. It's flexible, oh, gosh, yeah. constantly moving. And, and we constantly have to like add stuff, take away things because mm-hmm. we're not working anymore. And it's funny because I say a lot on this pod, like you either mother the way you were mothered or mm-hmm. you walk down this like unknown path, trying to figure it out step by step. What are some of the things you added to your strict Jamaican upbringing that sort of works better for 2022 with oh. social media and digital. Yes. I mean, there's so many more things. I think being able to allow them to express themselves and talk. So asking them questions, right? Before my mom was not asking me what I thought of something. She didn't care. Like that's not, <laughs> you don't have an opinion. Exactly. <laughs> so I think now I'm just be like, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that, bubs? And he'll tell me and I'll be like, oh, that's a good thought. Or, oh, well, let's, you know, marinate on that or or talk that one through. Before it was, we are told basically like what the thought process is going to (laughs) be. And that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Period. Point blank. End of story. That was it. So Did that work for you? Was that, I mean, you see, you're so well put together and you're so, you know, you're just that that girl. You're that girl. You're that girl. You're my, that girl, You're that girl, which is why when we met, just, I think you should like, let everyone know how we met. And it was like magnetic. It was, I was like, she's so cool. I want to be her friend. <laughs> now we are. <laughs> no, I met you at this incredible event oh, at the week here in Los Angeles. 
a friend, Ty Beauchamp invites me and I'm sitting there like, oh, it's only Halle Berry. It's only Angela Davis. Like what is happening here? And then I met you for the first time. Like her voice is magnetic and you just seem like you have everything together. Everything. Like, you know, there are no clothes on the floor in your closet. (laughs) You know what? Next time I'm going to do it in my closet. I'm doing it from my closet next time. Cause you're going to be like, oh, that is not how I described your closet to everybody. Thank God you're human, right? (laughs) I want to see, are you wearing pants right now on Zoom? That's what I'm talking about. Let me stand up. No, (laughs) But I love that because you're so successful, but you're so real and you seem present. And that is, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but not everybody is there. I've met a lot of people and a lot of people when they're successful, there's a lot of protection and Mm -hmm. they're kind of like 10 feet behind the eyes in Mm -hmm. my experience in Hollywood in the world. How have you kept yourself centered and been able to put yourself out there in a, in a way that's so free and beautiful and so real? I think, you know, I, I really rely on people to give me feedback if someone says something that maybe may sting a little, I can at least sit with them and be like, you know what, maybe there was some truth to that. And I am responsible to deal with that in a way that I have the opportunity to make that better, or I can keep it the same, but is it going to be serving people well or myself? Mm -hmm. I also think I have a responsibility, you know, in my profession and in the voice that I've been, the platforms that I've been given to be responsible with what I say and how I carry myself, not in a way that I'm like completely different, but I do think I have that responsibility. And I take that responsibility. I don't take it lightly. And so I honor that and I honor what I've been given. I think when you honor that and you honor what you've been given, you do see a different sense of yourself. Yeah. And I think I'm just, I'm, I want to be fun. I want to have fun too. But I also, I think we, when we meet people that we connect with, I'm very, I, that's how I protect to myself is people who have energy that is amazing. I am like, let's do this. And then people who are not, it's not to be that you cast them away, but you protect yourself, protect your energy. Our energy is like so vital and important. It is. Please connect the dots on what you're saying right now, because I'm getting goosebumps again. That is it that we need to understand even more is for me, I flex that muscle all the time. Mm -hmm. I literally operate through the world as an energetic being feeling other people's energy. I know what's safe, what's not safe. And I flex it so that that muscle is strengthened, right? So you're walking through the world, you're walking through space and time. You have to utilize that. And I love, are you teaching that to your kids? Are you teaching them how to use their powers? Absolutely. I said to my son this morning, I say it to him every morning, both of them, tell me words about yourself. So he'll say, I am smart. And I'm like, absolutely you are. Or I am this, or I am that. And I want them to explore daily how they might feel about themselves. And then even be able to express themselves when they're not feeling good. Because it's not just about toxic positivity when we're just feeding our kids, like, you're so awesome. You're so great. Cause when they're not, we need to let them know too. Hello. They must hear it from mama (laughs) in a loving way, but that's not working. That's Mm -hmm. not working. Absolutely. And as far as, no, it's interesting energy because what people also don't understand is they can make themselves sicker or Mm -hmm. more well 
mm-hmm. based on the thoughts that they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's where mindfulness that's, you know, in our, my practice here in Dallas is yes, I practice Western medicine, but we have a, a full side of it that's devoted to Eastern philosophy. So meditation, um, mindfulness, acupuncture. So we're really fine tuning that for people so they don't have to do it for themselves. Um, I think that's important as well is giving people that template of here's how you can accomplish this. And we're, we're here to help you do that. And we're here to guide you. Yes, in this last couple of months before another new year, I figured Dr. Jessica Shepard is just somebody that we need to know. We need to constantly be in connection with ourselves, not just what we're doing day to day and all the things on our list of things to do, but also internally. Who are we? Are we healthy? Are we doing all the things that we can do in order to be aligned with our greatest health, aligned with spirit, aligned with the things that bring us joy? And it really is a marker to go, wait a minute, how am I doing? Am I, let me get off this treadmill and really assess. So now that we are reconnected with ourselves, I do want to bring to the table again a question that I asked you last week. Who are you? It seems like a simple question. But again, if you answer it, relying on job titles, bank accounts, the cars you drive, or who you're married to, maybe it's something you need to reevaluate. And from that reassessed definition, you can go into these last couple of months of 2022 with a newfound perspective. For me, in all the research and all the deep diving and all the introspection All I know is that my perspective is ever-changing. It is malleable. It's flexible. It shifts depending on where I am emotionally in space and time. You know, nothing stays the same. The only thing that's constant is change. And at Mama Stay, we are here to support you in all the ways that you shift in this very uncertain time. So thank you so much. We are killing it here at Mama's Day. We just love supporting the Mommy Collective. We just love giving you different perspectives. We just love exploring the different ways you can live an incredible life because now is the time. Don't forget that we are always here for you. We receive so many DMs and messages and we thank you. I can't believe we are only a month away from our one-year anniversary. It's insane. I got to plan something. I've been so focused on raising my child and getting these pods out every week. I have kind of let the rest of my life sort of slide away. I've got to get back to producing these events in person where we as the Mommy Collective can come together and continue to grow, continue to evolve and have takeaways that are in living color. Much love to you. Thank you to my producing team, Jenny Media. We will see you next week. Now, don't forget to take care of yourself in every single way that keeps you strong, that keeps you balanced, that keeps you vital. All right. I love you. Bye. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. 
make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay. <laughs>